Hi, my name's Ryan Perry. I'm the pastor at Seneca Baptist Church, and we are so thankful that you're joining us in this online resource. Our prayer for you is that this resource would not replace your active involvement in a local body of Christ, but would rather be supplemental to it. If you are interested in getting further connected to the ministry of Seneca Baptist Church or to giving financially, please visit our website, SenecaBaptist.org. Thank you and enjoy. How many of you, that was a new song? Anybody? Everybody? Okay. Uh, We sing that the old hymn, the carol, Come All Ye Faithful. You know, oftentimes I don't feel like I fall in that category. But I definitely fall in this category. Oh, come all you unfaithful. Come, weak and unstable. I fall in that category, amen? Come, barren and waiting ones. Weary of praying, come. See what your God has done. Come, bitter and broken. Come, with fears unspoken. Come, taste of His perfect love. Come, guilty and hiding ones. There is no need to run. See what your God has done. I fall in that category. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't come for those who are all put together? Jesus came for us, the ones who are falling apart. I'm so thankful, so thankful. Today, we're going to take one more look at some characters in the birth story of Jesus. And these might be unfamiliar characters to you, but I hope that their lives and their witness speaks to you like it did to me. And so we're looking at Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. So grab your copy of God's Word. If you didn't bring one, there's a hardback black one in the pew rack in front of you. We're going to open it together, and we're going to hear what God says to us, okay? We're a church, if you're new with us today, we're a church that believes that the Bible is God's holy Word. It's inspired and flawless and perfect in all of its ways. It was written by men, inspired by God, and it is God's perfect truth. It's for us. And if we will get into it, I promise it will get into you. And when it gets into you, it'll change your life. And so we're here today because we want to hear what God is saying to us on this Christmas Eve. So we're in verse 22, okay? Now here's what happens, all right? The angel has come to Elizabeth. The angel has come to Mary. And both of them have received news that a barren one will give birth. And then secondly to Mary, that a virgin will conceive and give birth. And this one that will be born of the virgin will be Jesus. Which means God will save us from our sins. Then the angel calls him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. So this baby to be born will be Savior and God incarnate. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. Now, the angel has come to Elizabeth to Mary and then reveals himself to the shepherds out in the field watching their flocks by night right and the glory of the Lord shone around them the angels trembled with fear heard the message of the angels that I read just a few moments ago and we see that beautiful picture that the shepherds leave the sheep to go find the lamb of God they leave him to go or leave the sheep to go find Jesus in a manger and then we come to this Now, Jesus is close to 40 days old at this story. So 40 days old, and we see 
uh, two people, Simeon and Anna. And so today I want to talk to you about peace in the waiting. Peace in the waiting. So look at verse 22. or let's, Yeah, 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it's written in the law of the Lord. Every male who opens the, first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now that right there just shows you of their poverty. These turtle doves or pigeons were kind of saved for the least and the lowly. And that's what they had to give. Verse 25. Now here we come to this man named Simeon. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Verse 27. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms And bless God and said. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So we're going to look at Advent and waiting. Now how many of you, you are just like me, that um, you want God to sprinkle down patience from heaven upon you, but you don't like waiting. Are you with me? Amen? None of us really like waiting. We are that kind of generation. We live in the world that um, if you want to put something into the microwave, sometimes the microwave takes too long, right? Uh, We're watching the pot. We're standing by the oven watching the pot to see the pot on top of the stove come to a boil, and we're kind of tapping our watch going, "I I ain't got no time for this. Or you're in the line of the grocery store. Have you been to the grocery store this week? There was a line there, wasn't there? A mile long, and there's one cashier, right? And, and it's their first day. And, and you're stuck in that line and you're going, gosh, Lord, you better give me patience. And you just need to know that don't ever pray for patience because the Lord will not sprinkle it down in fairy dust and you know, on your head, but he will put you in circumstances that will make you patient. Will make you patient. And see, Advent, this time of year that we come to right now is a time of waiting. A time of waiting. And we need to understand that. We see in verse 25 that he, Simeon, is waiting for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel to console, to to bring comfort in grief. He's waiting for the comforter, for the one who would come and wipe away the darkness, for the one who would come and wipe away tears from eyes. He's waiting for this one who would come and set the captive free. Are you with me? That's who he's waiting for. The consolation of Israel. Now, in your Bible, go down to verse 38. There's a lady, a prophetess, Anna. And in verse 38, we see she, it says, in coming at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting on the redemption of Jerusalem. So Simeon is waiting on the consolation of Israel, and Anna speaks to all who are waiting on the redemption of Jerusalem. 
waiting. They're waiting on the Messiah. Now, here's what we think. When we read the Bible, Christian theology finds God's people in the in-between time. The in-between time. Now, follow me for a second. We all live in the in-between. But it could be something like they're in between the Garden of Eden and the Promised Land. Or they're in between the the flood and God's promise of multiplying the people. They're in between slavery in Egypt and the Promised Land. They're living in a time in the in-between, in the wilderness. And maybe they've received God's promises and they know they're as good as done, but they haven't found their fulfillment yet. They haven't experienced that ultimate fulfillment. We have been redeemed, but we've not come into the promised land yet. The kingdom has come, but do you, when you look around the world, do you see the kingdom in its fullness around the world right now? No. We're in the in-between. We're in the waiting We know Jesus is king, but I don't really feel that he has taken up his earthly throne just yet. And in fact, he hasn't. See, I heard it said one day that praise God, I'm not where I was. But I'm not yet what I want to be. Have you ever felt that way? You're so thankful to God that you're not where you once were in your spiritual life or in your walk with the Lord or in your relationships or just in your your journey of life. You're not where you were, and we can thank the Lord for that, but you're not where you want to be. Have you ever felt that way? It's because we live in the in-between. It's here now, but it's not yet. That's where we live. See, we're all waiting people. Advent is a time of waiting. Simeon and Anna are waiting for the first coming of Jesus. They're waiting on the Messiah. They're waiting on the one who would come and rescue God's people from sin and sickness and death and war. They're waiting on the consolation and redemption of God's people. That's what they're waiting on. And he came and his name is Jesus. But we're waiting on Jesus a second time. We're waiting for the eastern sky to split. We're waiting for Jesus to come back for his bride. We're waiting. And we're in a season of waiting. And waiting is hard. Waiting is long. Oftentimes we think of waiting, we think of like a lazy boy chair. How many of you got a lazy boy that you love at home? Okay, and it's it's comfortable. I heard that Mr. Dick has a, a lazy boy or a chair that is now conformed to his body, right? He must spend some time in that chair. But this is not the biblical idea of waiting. The biblical idea of waiting is not sitting in your lazy boy with a cold, refreshing iced tea waiting on Jesus to come back. It's not the biblical idea of waiting. The kind, there is a kind of waiting that pleases the Lord. And Jesus teaches us in Luke chapter 12 what what waiting is, and it's doing what you ought to be doing while the master is away, anticipating that he could return at any moment and anticipating that we want to be found doing what he's left in our charge while he's gone. Luke chapter 12, verse 35 and 36, Jesus says it this way. 
Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. This is what biblical waiting is. Stay dressed for action, keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he knocks. This is what biblical waiting looks like. And when we look at Simeon and Anna, we can look at their lives and we can see what waiting looks like. And there are four words to describe their waiting. First, it's active. Their waiting is active. Where are they? They're both at the temple. They're both at the temple. And in fact, it says about Anna that she's there day and night, attending in the temple. Secondly, godly life. Godly life. What does it say about Simeon? That he is righteous and devout. The third thing that we see about Simeon and Anna is that they were looking. They were waiting. They were anticipating that the Messiah would come. This is what biblical waiting looks like. Our eyes are open. We are living as if he is already come. And we are active doing what the Lord has led us to do. And last, we are led by the Spirit. This is what it says about Simeon. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Verse 27, and he came in the Spirit into the temple. What we see about Simeon is that he was walking with the Lord in a very direct, concrete way that you and I have the opportunity to walk. It's being led by His Holy Spirit, not by our own passions and desires. In our waiting, our waiting, in the in-between ought to be like Simeon and Anna. We should be active. We should be doing what God has put in our charge until He comes. We have been entrusted Church family, we have been entrusted with the gospel of the kingdom. We know that Christ has come. We're not looking at a baby in a manger going, I wonder what this wants to do. I know who he is, but I don't know how he's going to do it. We get to see in 2020 vision all that Christ came to accomplish, and we have been put in our charge. God has put in our charge the gospel of the good news of the King of glory who left heaven, came into the world, was born an infant in a manger, lived a sinless life, died a sinner's death for you and me, that on the third day he might be raised to newness of life and ascended to the Father where he rules and reigns until he once comes again. That's been entrusted to us. This good news of great joy has been entrusted to you and to me. And we ought to be stewarding that well while we're waiting. We should be living godly lives just like Simeon and Anna. Here's why. You know, many people, when, when the, what's the saying? When the cat's away, the... Many of us live our Christian lives like that. I'll get right with God later on. But while I'm young, have you ever heard this? I'm going to sow my wild oats. And some of you are living that way. Well, I'll get all that straight later. But right now, I'm going to use this time and I'm going to live it up. And we would use, many of us would use God's patience with us and we would abuse it. But this is not what we see. 
Paul says in Ephesians, he says, make the most of your time for the days are evil. And Jesus says, you don't know when he's coming back. He's going to come back like lightning, like thief in the night. And you better be ready for his coming. We need to have our eyes open to what God is doing around us. And we need to join him in what he's doing. And last, we need to be led by the spirit, not by our sinful desires. So they were waiting. Advent and waiting always go together. The second thing that I want you to see is what Simeon said when he came in contact with King of Kings, Jesus. Verse 28. And he took him up in his arms. Now, how many of you, if you had a baby 40 days old in your arms and you went to the temple to offer a sacrifice to the Lord on behalf of this 40-day-old child would let some stranger take this baby out of your arms. Mary, knowing what Mary knew, don't mess with Mama Bear, right? I don't know how this went down. I would have loved to have seen it. Hey, I need to hold your baby a minute. No, you don't. I, I, I don't. Or did Mary know something? But he took him up in his arms, and he blessed God and said, let's read his blessing. Verse 29, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. Now you're letting your servant depart in peace. Christmas is all about peace. The angels to the shepherds said, peace on earth. King James Version, and goodwill toward men. It's all about peace. And Simeon, the first thing he says is, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. I've been waiting my whole life in eager anticipation. And you told me that I wouldn't die until I've seen the Christ child. And now, now all that anticipation has swelled up into the climax of this moment. I've laid my eyes upon him. I have held him in my arms, and now I can die a fulfilled man. Here's what I need you to see. Jesus brings peace with God. Jesus brings peace with God. And you will never have peace with God until you have Jesus in your arms. You won't. You won't. He says... My desires fulfilled. He recognized that this baby born is the the one who Isaiah prophesied about in Isaiah 9, the Prince of Peace. He's peace incarnate. And Simeon says, I can die in peace. He brings peace with God and he brings peace in the world. Now listen to me. What do you mean I need peace with God? You and I, you and I are sinners. I don't think I have to convince anybody that you've sinned before. What I might have to convince you of is that your sin has eternal consequences. And the the eternal consequences that your sin causes, you can't fix. And because of that, there is between you and God a chasm that you can't cross. A separation that you can't fill. There is a hostility because of a holy God and sinful humanity, and you can't remedy that problem with any kind of earthly solution. 
You can't live well enough. You can't behave well enough. You can't do any of the things that would cause peace with God. And so God makes the first move. He does not wait on you to come to him, but he came for us. You can have peace with God. Romans 5 verse 1 says it this way, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. You can have peace with God today because of your sin. It separates you from God, puts hostility between you and God, enmity between you and God, hatred between you and God. You are opposing one another, but today you can have peace with God if you will embrace the Son. And you can even have peace in the world. Peace in the world? Sounds like a Miss America question. What would, if you could have one wish, what would you ask for? Peace on earth. Now, did Jesus promise that there would be peace in this world? No, in fact, he said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Brother will betray brother. Mother will betray daughter. Father, son, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. That's not very surprising to many of us. But Jesus says, in this world, I, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to set a division. We'll look at that in a moment. But you can have peace, not because the circumstances around you are going well, but because you know the one who's in charge of all the circumstances around you. You can have peace in the world, not because everything's going your way, but in the midst of chaos, there's a king ruling. And no amount of earthly chaos will ever convince me that he has rescinded his throne. He rules in the midst of chaos. He sleeps in the middle of a storm. And there can be calm in a storm and peace in chaos. Why? When you bring Jesus in, he will redeem your troubles, comfort your afflictions, and give you peace in this chaotic world. The second thing he says is salvation. He says, look at verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all the peoples. Simeon teaches us something here. Salvation is revealed by God, and God's salvation is not found, look at me, in a religion. It's not found in a way of life. It's not found in a list of rules. It's not found in a set of 12 steps. It's not found in any of those man-made ways, but it is found in a person. He said, my eyes have seen your salvation. Who's he holding? Yeshua, the Savior of the world, God incarnate. He says, I've seen him, not in it. But I've seen him. Isn't that good? He took a baby up and he blessed it. This is your salvation that you prepared for all the peoples. And this is what salvation is. We see the Holy Spirit came upon Simeon and then Simeon took up Jesus. Salvation, look at me, is when the Spirit of God comes upon you in such a way that you bring Jesus in. That you embrace him. It is a, a, an act of God and an act of human will, somehow divinely working together. 
nobody will force your hand and put you in heaven and you're going to get to heaven and go, I didn't want to be here in the first place. But you will never be able to make an excuse either. It's an act of God and an act of human will. And those two things work together for salvation. The Holy Spirit comes upon you so that we bring Jesus into our hearts. And we might say what Simeon said, now I can depart in peace. Because my eyes have seen your salvation. Look at me, but this is what so many of us have never experienced. We've come to religion. We've come to church. We've come to a set of rules. We've come to morality like I'm going to be good. I just want to be a good person. I just want to change my life. I want my life to be different. And, And we've come to this place, but we've never had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that has led us to say, oh, now I can die in peace because I've taken Jesus into my heart. See, many of you, many of you understand this knowledge of who Jesus is, but the Holy Spirit has never come upon you that you would bring him in and make him Lord. And listen, if if that's you, you are lost and you need a savior and his name is Jesus. The gospel is something that possesses you before you ever possess it. It will take you over and you will take it up. And he says, you've prepared this salvation. I've seen it and you've prepared it in the presence of all the peoples. And then he goes on in verse 31 or 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Simeon starts with the Gentiles. Now, just context, Jews did not like Gentiles. Gentiles were anybody else other than Jews. Jews kind of looked down their noses on Gentiles. They were kind of the scum of the earth, and they were kind of like a a derogatory term that they would use for all the pagan nations of the world. And what does Simeon say? I've seen your salvation. I've taken him up into my arms. And you've prepared it in the presence of all the people's And it is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. This Savior is not just for those who are religious. This Savior is for the pagans too. It's for the impure. It's for the faithless. It's for the doubting. It's for the sinner. It's for you and me. The third third thing that we see. Simeon's warning. Look at verse 33. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that's opposed. Now I want you to stop and think about what he just said. This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many. Jesus Jesus will raise up some and many will stumble over Jesus. Jesus is a stumbling block to the proud. He is a stumbling block to the religious. He is a stumbling block. Why? Because people will look at Jesus and say, it can't be that easy. 
You mean, you mean God will forgive all of my sins? You mean that he'll deal with all of my past, all the evil things that I've ever done? You mean that God will take care of all of those things and all I have to do is take Jesus into my heart and believe on him? Yes! It's that simple. And many people will say it can't be that simple, therefore it's foolishness. Or, God can't come in flesh. God can do anything that God wants to do because God is God. And we find foolishness with this virgin birth. And Jesus will be a stumbling block to some. He will, he's come for the fall and the rising of many. Some will stumble over Jesus. And some will come to him and he will raise them up. The Puritans have a saying. The same sun that melts the ice will harden the clay. The same sun that melts the ice will harden the clay. And if you read the Gospels, you'll see in the Gospels that some come to Jesus and they know they have a need. And Jesus, they find the satisfaction of their need and they rejoice and they leave differently. And others come to Jesus and they hear the same darn message and they reject him altogether and leave him, spurn him, spit on him, slap him, abuse him, crown him with thorns and crucify him. How is it that one person in one message can lead two different, bring two different results? It's because you can't be neutral with Jesus. Look at me. You, you have been brought here by a divine hand. You're not here on accident. You say, well, my family told me that if we were going to go to lunch, we had to go to church first. That's why I'm here. Praise the Lord. It's not an accident, though. God has brought you here to make a decision because you can't be neutral with Jesus. To be neutral with Jesus is to outright rebel against Him. You can't be neutral. You've either got to take Him in as Lord and Savior, or you've got to reject Him and crucify Him. Those are the only two options. You can't ride the fence with Christ. The fall and the rising of many. The fall and the rising of many. And then what does he say? Verse 35. He looks at Mary. And he says, A sword will pierce through your own soul also. Moms. Can you imagine... What Simeon just said to Mama Mary? Yes, she knew that he was the Savior. Yes, she knew that Jesus was the Christ, the chosen one of God who would bring about redemption. But Simeon looked at Mary and said, this is going to hurt you. The cost of your obedience that God would bring Jesus, the Christ, into the world through your virgin womb, the cost is going to hurt but I promise it'll be worth it. A sword will pierce your own heart also. Mary's obedience cost her greatly, and I want you to understand that our obedience often will too. Now, as I wrap up, what do we do with this? It didn't seem like a very encouraging Christmas Eve morning message. 
Jesus, God did not appoint me as a preacher that I might always encourage you. God appointed me as a preacher to tell you the truth. And sometimes the truth cuts us and hurts us. So, number one, you can have peace with God today. This is the application. You can have peace with God today, but it's laying down all other efforts of saving yourself, all other efforts of pleasing God, all other efforts of pleasuring yourself and living for your own joy and fulfillment and happiness, laying them all aside in having Jesus brought up into your arms and into your heart as King of kings, as Lord of lords, as Savior of the world. And if you will do that, I promise you will find a peace that you've never had before. A burden will be relieved from you. And you can have peace today, but that peace comes with laying everything else aside. Secondly, you can have peace in this world. You can. You can have peace in this world. Not because God has promised to make your way easy, but God has promised to come and be with you. Emmanuel. God with us. And if you will bring Jesus into your heart, He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. In fact, I read this morning in, in John chapter 14 that God will send His Holy Spirit to come in and dwell inside of you. And he says in John 14, peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you. And you can have peace in this world. No matter what's going on in your crazy life, you can have peace in the world because of Christ ruling in your heart. Lastly, we need to learn to wait worthy. We need to learn to wait worthy. We, many of us as Christians, we need to get out of our lazy boys. We need to stop being lazy boys and girls. And we need to wait in a way that is pleasing to God. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but He's coming one day. I don't know how long we have to live, but I know that my death will come sooner than I want it to. So what am I going to do while I'm waiting? We, like young boy Jesus, just after this story, we need to make our lives about the Father's business. There's a kingdom that by grace, through faith in Jesus, you've been made a, you've, you've been made a part of. There's a gospel, a good message that you have been given. And if you'll trust Him, He will reorient your life around that gospel and He will give you purpose like never before. And you will find joy in the purpose, peace in the purpose. You will find fulfillment in that purpose that He'll give you. But guys, there are people who are still waiting on His first coming right around us. I shared the gospel with a lady this week. I told her that we couldn't please God on our own. So Jesus had to come and live a sinless life and die a sinner's death. And if we would put our trust in Him, she could have salvation she's been in church her whole life and she said i'd never heard it like that before how is it that people right here in the bible belt 
have never heard of the first coming of Jesus, we have the privilege to tell them. Would you stand with me? We're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God has said to you. And maybe you're here and it's time for you to meet Jesus. You have an opportunity to come and bring Jesus into your arms, into your heart, and into your life. Maybe there are others of you, you've been in your lazy boy too long, and it's time for you to just come and repent and say, Father, I'm sorry, forgive me, and use my last days. Make me more fruitful now than I've ever been in my life. Maybe you've been lacking peace in the situations in your life, and today you want to lay down anxiety before the Lord and say, I want to learn to trust you. You can do that today. Would you join me in prayer? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today and you've come for some other reason that you didn't expect. You didn't expect to hear a message like this. You didn't expect to feel what you're feeling right now. You didn't expect this tension in your chest where God is knocking on the door of your heart. You didn't expect this. But you know, you know that this, God's giving you a chance to trust Him. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. It's just me looking at you. If that's you and you want to trust Jesus today, would you just slide your hand up? Nobody's looking, it's just me. Would you slide your hand up and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I see your hand back there. Is there anybody else? You can slide it down. Praise the Lord. Would you join me in prayer? Father, for the, this hand that has gone up, would you lead this person to their next step? Thank you for just the, the recognition that they need a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. Father, for us, there's still more in this room that you're drawing but don't let them stumble over Christ. Open their hearts, soften them, and draw them to you. Holy Spirit, come upon them so that they might take you up. Father, for many of us, I pray that you would get us up out of our lazy boy. And you would help us to wait with all diligence and action for the coming, the second advent of Christ our Savior. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said. If you'd like to respond in some...